tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on the Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. I really wish I could have played soccer and been good at it. Like, I, I played, like, with my friends just in the you know, Total Bella Zone. We can watch that. Oh. The remote is not working. I'm trying really hard to get to CBS. Thank you. Yeah, I played soccer with my friends, like, you know, at recess and stuff like that. And it, was, it, was never, it was never great. I wish I, that's one of those sports I, I wish I could have been good. Yeah, generally I was pretty athletic as a kid and I could play a lot of sports. I tried soccer. The foot to brain connection for me was was lost. I could not do it. But you're right, I would have loved to play soccer because you stay super fit and you I don't know, it just seems like kind of a cool sport to play. It doesn't I mean sure there there could be concussions with heading the ball and stuff, but the balls are so light now that I'm not sure that it would be an issue. And it just seems like a fun sport to play. No, yeah, I wish I would have been, would have been able to kind of play soccer. That was one of those things if I could go back and try again because, you know, your footwork for every other sport. And Dominican Sue, we'll bring him up as we as we get ready to talk about the Rams. Uh, he's somebody who played soccer forever. He didn't play football until his, like, sophomore year of high school, or freshman, sophomore year or something because his mom wouldn't let him. And so he came out there, and it, just, it was so easy for him because he knew exactly how to move without the ball. He also was a basketball player and played for Grant and played in the Les Schwab tournament and put up numbers because he knew how to move his feet. So soccer should always be that sport that students play first just to be able to learn how to play everything else. All right, so this hour we've got Hater to Love It coming up at 1030. We're going to talk about the Eagles and Saints game next segment, but we have a segment here to wrap up talk on yesterday's games and we will go into the Rams Cowboys game that one to me in a similar fashion to the Chiefs Colts game which we discussed in the first hour which you can hear on the Lush of Tires podcast after the show is the Rams were the better team they had a week extra to prepare for the game and they found a way to disrupt the really great Cowboys rush defense they found a way to run the ball through a great Cowboys run defense. Now, I want you to remember, envision, Thursday night football. I can see it. I think it was week 12 or week 11. Saints-Cowboys. I'm eating nachos. Mm. Cheese, salsa, both, sour cream. I'm not a big salsa fan, but uh, guacamole and sour cream. Delicious. Mm. I'm hungry. Thursday night football, you're watching the game. Drew Brees and the Saints are unstoppable. Alvin Kamara is having the best season ever. Michael Thomas is catching everything. They're playing the Cowboys on Thursday night, who at this point are not really that great yet. What happens? Drew Brees plays one of the worst games of his life. The Saints cannot score, and the Cowboys' defense was elite in that game. Remember that. And then think about what the Rams did yesterday to that Cowboys' defense, who, by the way, last week completely stopped the Seahawks running game, which was their bread and butter the entire year. And, oh, by the way, Todd Gurley only touched the ball 16 times. 
They ran for 273 yards on 48 carries, an average of just under six yards a carry Mm. against that Cowboys defense. Fat butt C.J. Anderson ran for 123 yards for 23 carries. Todd Gurley, 115 on 16 carries. Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds both had nine-yard runs. Brandon Cooks had a five-yard run. All on those little jet sweep plays. What the Rams were able to do and the system that they employ on offense with the motions and the moving parts and all of the wrinkles in the in the offense and the run game was enough to make that Cowboys defense look like the worst rush defense in the NFL. And that, to me, was the most impressive thing because I thought the, the Rams were going to win the game fairly big because the Rams were much better than the Cowboys, but I thought they were going to have to pass the ball effectively because no one could run on that Cowboys defense, and boy, was I wrong. No, everybody was super surprised. You know, that that D, um, especially after, you know, kind of how they stuffed the Seahawks through the first first half of last week, you know, with that amazing rush uh, rush attack that the Seahawks had, you thought that there's no way that anybody's going to be able to run on Dallas. And then after that, Dallas is going to just stuff it down your throat. That was the part that I was most surprised by, the fact that Ezekiel Elliott had 20 carries and it was a 2.3 yards a carry. When was the last time you saw Zeke be held under 50 yards in a game on 20 carries. That was the part that that's that was the one, you know, because I I, I love Gurley. I think Gurley is an amazing running back. I think Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back in the league. You know, I just what he can do after he gets hit is the part that's most impressive because he doesn't go backwards. You know, he's like a little tank and he just continues to move his legs and move his feet forward. And then he's elusive enough, elusive enough to once he gets in open field or once once it's one on one with him in a safety, him in a corner, it's it's a wrap. So, for, so to see him in a situation yesterday to where he just kept getting fed and nothing was happening was that, again, that Rams defense who hasn't played the way that you would think they would play with all the stars they have littered on that defense for the most of the season, that was their best effort yesterday. And seeing what Ndamukong Sue and seeing what uh, Aaron Donald were able to do up front was super, super impressive. And I think that's what you've been waiting to see from this, uh, from this defense from the Rams all year. Yeah, no, they they literally. I'm I'm telling you, Wade Phillips went in there and challenged him and said, "We brought you in for three games, and these are the three games." Because a, a lot of these guys are on one year contracts, and with the idea we're making a run for the Super Bowl. And I, I think they knew that they didn't need all star level out of them all season long. They just needed that all star level out of them at the end of the season. And yeah, I mean, you saw Sue show up for the first time all year. You know, you saw Akib Talib. He led the team in tackles last night. Um, th- this is a uh, a team where that defense is showing up at the right time. A lot of that, I think you have a, an experienced coach that's won a Super Bowl and Wade Phillips that's that's leading that defense, understands how to motivate these guys, understands how to motivate a guy like T- Akib Tlaib, um, who obviously is a super passionate guy after after last night. But um, when he snatched, uh, um, whose chain was it? Um, Crabtree's Crab train. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was awesome. You, you know, there, there was a little tussle with him and Amari Cooper. There was no love, love loss. I had to explain this last night. Like, I keep to leave. Marcus Peters played against these guys when they were in the AFC West. Like, these guys hate each other on the opposite side of the ball. So, like, you, you know that they took a lot of pride in, for the most part, holding Amari Cooper in check um, last night. The the big plays coming mostly from Gallup, but. What I th- I think is really interesting about about that was it the Rams for the most part I think they lost a lot of their identity when they lost Cooper Cup I think we can all agree on that I think they brought that up last night because he's a safety valve he kind of brings in that 
that Gronkowski tight end safety valve that that Tom Brady's led on uh, um, leaned on for so much. I think CJ coming in and creating that one-two punch like they have in this with the Saints and Mark Ingram and um, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara that all of a sudden that kind of changed the dynamic of not not necessarily how they run their offense, but how they call their plays. And it, it is more of a run-dominated offense now. But how, how do you stop that? CJ looked so good last night, fresh. Um, there were several times where he could have been stopped in the backfield, but his vision and his quick jump cuts got him at least a, a yard or two. And when you have that and then you bring in a fresh – Fresh, 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 fresh. Um, why am I forgetting Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley in behind him? Then all of a sudden, it, th- this team is very hard to stop in a different way than they have been all season long. Well, and also, there's two things that I want to bring up to wrap up this conversation. A, they mentioned it on the broadcast. I didn't know this yesterday. They mentioned it on the broadcast that the offensive line for the Rams, all five of them, same every single game. They have not gotten injured, none of them. They've had the same five starting offensive linemen for every single game this year. And I was really impressed by them because they had a lot of runs in the red zone near the goal line. And those are some of the hardest runs to get open spots up the middle. And there was constantly lanes up the middle thanks to that offensive line. The second thing, and this is something I was explaining to my wife yesterday when we were watching the game together, is what the Rams do, which a lot of teams are copying now, is they bring the wide receiver in motion on almost every single play. And they lull you into a false sense of security that you're not going to hand the ball off to him. It's just a guy moving till you can read the defense. When they do hand the ball off to that receiver, it almost always gets chunk plays. Always. I remember, I think it was Woods yesterday, had a nine-yard run on it right in the red zone. And there was a couple others, like I told you, Cooks had one and uh, Josh Reynolds had one as well. That were They only did it three times. They only mm-hmm. ran the wide receiver sweep three it was times. nine yards apiece, though. And it worked all three right times. Down. And it also creates confusion and doubt in the defense when it's happening. And it's all—it's not just about the movement. It's about the timing of it. Sometimes they snap it before the receiver gets behind the quarterback. Sometimes they let him finish the motion completely. Sometimes it's kind of in the in the between area of all, of all those things. It's all predicated on that movement. And then to Jesse's point, predicated on the run game so that you can pass the ball after that on play actions or rollouts or things like that. Helping Jared Goff get to the open receiver. Uh, quickly on the flip side, the Cowboys to me yesterday, they played better than I expected, to be fair. The Rams did a very good job stopping Ezekiel Elliott. They needed Zeke to play well to win that game. He did not really play very well. But Dak Prescott had a pretty solid game for them. I was impressed by him. It just wasn't enough. And basically it's what I expected because the Cowboys were really good this year on defense, but they need Zeke to have a great game. He didn't, so they didn't. I mean, there's a part of me that feels – Kind of bad for Dak because he gets he gets banged on a lot, you know. And there's some games to where I, I think the last eight nine weeks of the season, man, Dak Prescott was as impressive a quarterback as as anyone else, just making sure he kind of kept his kept his team uh, afloat. You know, Dallas was in a situation to where they started three and five, they couldn't lose another game, they couldn't lose another few games, they'd be out of the playoff race. And for them to make it this far with all the deficiencies and all the silly stuff that surrounds the Cowboys all the time. Uh, he still had a really good season. Like, I'm not a big Dak Prescott fan. I feel like there's still a lot of, of room for growth for him. But, uh, you know, I was a big Russell Wilson fan for a long time. You know, that's, Russ kind of 
uh, grew on me, and he really showed that he's able to win. Now, if Dak is able to take his team to a Super Bowl in the next two years, I think he's going to change a lot of people's perception about him, much the way Russell Wilson did. That first few years, he was just kind of a, yeah, it's a game manager. He can do stuff. But he was never considered the superstar that he's considered now. Because if you say Russell Wilson is anything less than a top five, top six quarterback, then I would say you're crazy. I, I don't know. Like I, I think Dak Prescott is going to be a good quarterback for his career. I don't know if he's ever going to reach that elite level, take it to the next step. But I mean, we've seen it in the past. You you don't need a Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl if you have a really good defense, which they've been building a really good defense there, and a strong running game. As we know, they bring that. I I think they're a piece or two away from being a really feared team in the NFC if they can keep this going. And all these these calls for Jason, like T.O. calling out Jason Garrett after the game, uh, buzz off. That Jason Garrett didn't call a bad game last night. And, and, it should be, and it should be noted, as you mentioned Brady, like, man, who the hell was Brady his first three years in the league? You know, that that, that team was all about that defense and all about those guys that they had, you know, the, the, the Ty Law and Willie McGinnis. That's what – the, the, the Patriots were like who who the hell was Tom Brady at that point you know and so it wasn't until he really started breaking records and that's when he became the guy so I think Dak still has some room for growth especially he's in a, a much different situation because he has such a great defense behind him so he can uh take his time and get much better much the way Russell Wilson did much the way Tom Brady did two things before we break Patriots are eating up a lot of clock and driving down the field at the moment on their first drive, already five minutes gone in the game and they're into the red zone. Second, Lincoln Riley just tweeted a uh, eyes emoji. You know, the little like eyes looking emoji. The ones you put in, in uh, inboxes and DMs. Yeah. yeah, I think Jalen Hurts is going to Oklahoma because he visited Oklahoma yesterday and then we get the eyes emoji from Lincoln Riley. I think Jalen Hurts is going to Oklahoma next year to play quarterback. So, Well, that's a good look for Oklahoma. Hey, I mean, last two Heisman Award winners come from the Sooners. Jalen Hurts, is, can, is he's not a bad football player. No. And no, he's he's a damn good football player. That just shows how special Tua really is, that he can get a guy to come in and transfer, a guy that won a national championship and played for one to, to transfer. So that's crazy. All right, let's break. Coming up next, let's preview the Eagles and the Saints. That's the second game of the day. And uh, why are you reacting like that? Was there a guy Brady's, wide open? Yeah, he missed the dude wide no. open for a touchdown. Uh, that's the last game of the day coming up at 120. And we'll preview that and then hit it or love it at 1030. This is the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten eighteen here on your Sunday morning. Patriots just scored. Sony Michelle touchdown first drive. That drive took up seven minutes and eleven seconds off the clock, and uh, the Chargers haven't even touched the ball yet. So good start right. for the Pats. Great start for the Pats. That's what you want to see. And now the Patriots defense, which, as you said, has been much maligned. We'll see if they go the same way as the Rams and the Chiefs did yesterday and turn it up a notch as they had a week off to prepare. So we'll keep you up to date on that. But let's preview the second game of the day today, which we have not talked about yet. That is the Eagles and the Saints. And this is a really, really interesting game to me because you have the Super Bowl champs, the defending Super Bowl champs and the Eagles, who once again are playing Nick Foles, a.k.a. the legend who needs a statue built of him immediately, apparently, in Philadelphia, going right, right alongside Rocky. 
And you've got the Saints, who to me are, I was going to say the best. No, they're the second best team left in the playoffs. I think, still think the Rams are better. And I think have less pressure on them than the Rams do. And they've got another great head coach who had a bye. They've got a great quarterback who had a bye and a great tactician in Breeze and in Peyton. I, and the Eagles barely made the playoffs. But yet you know that they've got stuff going on with Foles at quarterback. They've got some magic going on a little bit there. I'm fascinated with what's going to happen in this game because to me it seems like the Saints should roll. They should. But after last week, I can't count out the Eagles because I thought the Bears were going to roll that game, to be honest. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, there's, no, there's no counting out the Eagles. Like This is a team that limped into the playoffs, but yet and still, here they are. You know, All you got to do is get there. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things. Everybody thinks that you have to be the number one seed. You, we've seen teams that are wild card teams make it to the title game. We've seen, you know, wild card teams make it to the Super Bowl. So it, it can definitely happen. And this is not your regular wild card team. Like usually, there's a Super Bowl hangover, and I think they had it. They, you know, they they didn't play the way you you would expect them to play for most of the year. By the time Wentz came back, he got hurt. A little bit after that, even though Wentz came back and he was money, you know, almost almost immediately. And then, you know, got hurt and it was back to Foles. You can p- please believe this. Man, Foles wins another Super Bowl. He will have that statue next to Rocky. And you then can he'll go, get cut for Carson. <laughs> no, yeah, and you, you, you can believe that. But at that point, if they do go ahead and win, again, Foles is already somebody who's proven that he can have an awesome NFL season. Like, we've seen him. What, what was the year he had under Chip? Like 28 touchdowns and like one pick? What was four, it? Four, I think, three or four. Yeah. So, I mean, he it was it was one of those things. Like he knew knows how to play football, and then he just kind of came in at the right time, and he, he, he was exactly what Philadelphia needed. Now, if we can come out and continue that, that trend, hey, man, Nick Foles is going to go down as easily the best Philadelphia quarterback that they've had. That's uh, for sure. That's – I mean, listen, super, that's, winning, that's, winning that's Super Bowls weird, changes though. everything. That's winning, weird, It is. Though. It is. Winning Super Bowls changes everything. And this is one of those situations to where if you win two of them, or more than that, you get close to two of them. This isn't a Donovan McNabb situation where you're in the NFC Championship game every year and just couldn't make it. Like, you got there the one year you came in, you took the team, you played well, you won the Super Bowl, you got MVP. Hey, man, he wins another one or he gets close to another one. Please believe he's going to have – at least a bust somewhere in Philadelphia. He's going to have burgers named after him. He's well, going to have, oh, of course, he's a legend. Yeah, he's got he a cheesesteak named after him that's but probably vegan. Let's also not bury the lead here. That's not going to happen this year. It's not. They're going to play the Saints. I think they're going to lose to the Saints. If they somehow beat New Orleans, they're going to play the Rams. I think they're going to lose to the Rams. And even if they somehow beat the Rams, they're going to play the Chiefs or the Patriots or the Chargers. They're not going to win all those games. They're a double doink away from losing to the Bears last week. And that's the amazing thing to me about the Eagles and Nick Foles, frankly, is if Cody Parkey makes that field goal on Sunday last week, the conversation about Nick Foles is wildly different. Yeah, It took the opposing kicker missing a field goal to put Nick Foles from great one-year playoff run story to – all of a sudden, legend who needs to take over Carson Wentz's job and Carson Wentz needs to be traded. Yeah. Like, I, come on. I know, but that I don't know if that's fair because we could say the same thing for Brady. 
you know, if it's not, man, if Vinatieri misses them one of those field goals or two of those field goals or all of those field goals. Right, but Brady was you know, the starter for those teams the entire season and no. in the playoffs and had moments of his own. Foles last year was the starter for three weeks. But had This mo- year was the starter for four weeks. But had moments of his own when it mattered. Like, much like Jesse was saying, you go and get in Dominican Sue for these three games. Well, if he comes in, if Foles comes in for these three games and he's amazing in those three games, that was almost a hell of a catch. Uh, I'm not even sure who that is. But if Mike he comes Williams. in and, and he's amazing for these three One and four games Williams receivers. In, in, in route to a Super Bowl or competing for a Super Bowl, man, yeah. Like, Nick Foles already the best backup in the league. Probably should be a starter. You look at some other teams in the NFL right now, it's like, man, he's your starter. Yeah, Nick Foles is better than him. Yeah, no, no. You look at another guy that Jeff Fisher's ruined his career. You know, everybody points to what he did in St. Louis. Well, uh, he, he he played under Jeff Fisher, so I, I'm actually not quite surprised that he didn't necessarily play too well or have a, a great stint there. But uh, this is this is kind of a moot conversation. I think you're right. I, th- I think this reminds me of a, if he's considered the greatest quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles history, it reminds me a lot of like the Eli Manning, Philip Rivers legacy, right? Like Philip Rivers, is he a, a Hall of Famer? Probably, yeah. He's never been to a a Super Bowl. You know, Dan Marino, at least he went to one. It's tough with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They have weird Exactly. And you you wouldn't even think of that, of Eli Manning, if you took away his two Super Bowls. You'd be like, he's a good quarterback, but no, he's not a, a Hall of Famer. You win two Super Bowls. You defeat the Patriots and keep them from being the um, second undefeated team in NFL history, and all of a sudden you're a Hall of Famer. And, and that's the difference between, like, what was that? That those were both wild card um, teams. So that that was an extra four games or that he had to play. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say eight games turned him into a Hall of Famer. And so what you're saying, I I don't I can't really discredit what you're saying, Rashad, and the fact that eight games can turn Nick Foles into the best Philadelphia Eagles quarterback in NFL or you know in their history. But then with the Saints on the flip side. Because we got a break here in a minute, and I don't want to go without talking about New Orleans. New Orleans is New Orleans is great, and I think all the talk is about Foles and the Eagles because it's maybe a little bit more interesting. But we saw the last oh, about six or eight weeks or so of the season, the Saints' offense kind of slowed down a little bit. It actually all started with that Cowboys game that I that I talked about last segment, but. It's been getting back, and I remember hearing a quote from Alvin Kamara this week where he said that they think they've gotten all those kinks worked out, and they are now back to the offense that they were early in the year. And if that's the truth, the Eagles' defense better be terrified because the Eagles' defense wasn't that good this year. And then going up against the Saints, uh, wasn't it that game the Saints won like 52-7 to against the Eagles early? It was 48-7. to 48-7. Something crazy. Yeah, so if that, that could happen again too, you know. Yeah, no, the Saints are really good. The the and and let's face it, the if you have a weakness that and there is a weakness to this Philly um defense, it's it's their secondary. They can stop the run okay. Like they're pretty good against the run. They are they they should be really worried about what Drew Brees and Michael Thomas are gonna be doing to them in the passing game because that is a severe deficiency to their defense right now. So the one thing that we don't talk about enough, we we talk a lot about McVeigh, you know, at, at length, you know, for the most part. McVeigh is like the most popular coach in, in the world right now for whatever reason. All you gotta do is say 
man, he follows me on Twitter, and you may be in the running for some type of coordinator position or something. Cliff like Kingsbury and him are friends. Well, what do you Just know? got him a job. And what do you know? Kingsbury is, is, is a new NFL head coach, man. Who saw that coming? But the one person we have, I haven't heard a lot about is the head coach from the, from the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton. Tell, tell me another a better offensive mind, you know, out that's not named Bill Belichick or possibly Andy Reid. You look at the list of coaches that are still in the playoffs right now, and it's pretty, it's pretty damn impressive. You know, Andy Reid, great. Sean Payton, great. McVay, great. Clearly Belichick, great. Anthony Lynn is the one quarterback. Excuse me, one coach that you're like, oh, well, we'll see. But you look at the job he's done this year, great. So I mean, you look at this list of coaches that are here, and it's like, holy hell, man, these guys are all. Most of these coaches are Hall of Fame coaches, for sure, at this point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We got a texter that asked, what is Nick Foles' record as a starting quarterback? And now It's I gotta, actually pretty good. I got to see if I can find it because I don't know off the top of my head. He is – I don't know if this is all as a starter. Yes, this is as a starter. He's 26-18 and 18 in the regular season and 4-1 and one in the playoffs. Mostly because he was three and zero last year, but uh, yeah, twenty six and eighteen, four and one in the playoffs. Touchdown to interception ratio, sixty eight to thirty three. Yeah, because of that one season in Philly, two thousand thirteen, the one that got him that uh, that contract the, the year later, right? Twenty seven and two in two thousand thirteen. Woof, <laughs> that's really good. All right, let's break, and uh, we got Hater to Love it next. The Patriots are still playing defense at the moment. Second and seven for the Chargers from the 50-yard line as they are driving down the field here a little bit on the Pats defense. And uh, we'll do some hit or love it next. This is the fan. Here's Jesse with sports. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Rashad already wants to turn the game off. Even though that's, it's 7-7. Seven, seven. That's, that's, that's my process. Like, I, I that's can't, your process. I can't stand watching my team lose, man. Like, I, I have They're to turn the team. They're not losing. It's tied. Oh, well, it's, if it's tied, we're losing. That's why I, I, I have to turn the channel. This is typically where I turn it and look at something else and just kind of Get but, my mind back together now has and the turn ball it back. Again. I know, but I'm just saying, man, that's just. And it was just Stephon Gilmore biting on a route and getting completely blown by. Really embarrassing. Completely Don't worry about blown it. by. Jeez Louise. That was, by the way, I have never seen a worse bite by a cornerback on what was seemingly a very normal cut to a to a straight route. He he, Keenan Allen kind of made a one one foot jab to the left and then just kept running straight. And Stephon Gilmore ran like 10 yards towards where the slant would have been. <laughs> it's like, dude, where are you going? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what he was doing. And I saw the minute he bit that it was a wrap, man. And Keenan Allen was so wide, like Tariq Hill type wide open. So I think I won again last week and hated or love it. Didn't yeah, I? You, you know, yeah, and that's that's more on Jesse than anything. Like, I'm not going to say that it's been some favoritism here, but, you know, I'm just going to. Pretty sure he won a round where I disagreed with his opinion and I agreed with your opinion. Just saying. One whole round? I, I'm just, last week, I know that there was a round where you two were separated. I agreed with you. Well, Not Lynch, it. but Lynch still won the round. I'm just saying it, there's no favoritism there. It's just 
I, I appreciate it. You should know that. All right. <laughs> you going to threaten our friendship again? No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't oh, do that. No. You wouldn't do that now. I wouldn't do that. Just once. But Yeah, only once. But is there going to be a Christmas card next year for you? Wait, have I ever got a Christmas card from you? Yeah, they're in the mail. <laughs> they're in the mail. They're in there somewhere. Well, hell, I've never gotten a Christmas card from Rashad. You've gotten a Hanukkah card from me, man. For sure. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. That's in there. Okay. Ask wifey. She's probably threw it away. Discarded it. It's okay. <laughs> like years ago? Okay. Um, all right, Jesse. Uh, all right. Well, let's I'm getting see kind of relaxed here. I really haven't had much of a, ch- a challenge. See? In wow. This segment. Wow. Wow. Uh, hmm. <laughs> let's see here. Let's fan the flames. Fan the flames. This is going to be a really heavy coaching hiring NFL edition mm. of Hate It or Love It. Lots of coach hires that have Yeah, happened. it's yeah. just. Uh, I mean, literally, I think every <laughs> now I look at, I think every single one of these topics are. To do with the coaching hires. So, uh, any specific coaching hire that you guys want to talk about? I'll give Rashad. Is there a, a coaching hire that you would like me to bring up? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that was your one opportunity to try to steal no, around I, here. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of who's up, and my computer won't work. I can't, I can't even pull up like which, who's up for for hire still. All right. We're gonna go. We're gonna start with Bruce Arians. I think he's intriguing. Bruce Arians in uh, Tampa Bay. Bucks hire him. He went. He, okay. It's really interesting because, you know, he retired, health reasons, gone for a year. Steve Wilkes just sucked in Arizona. There's obviously, there was buyer remorse there. They let him go. Bruce Arians just sitting in a nice, cushy job, talking on the TV, gets a call from all these teams, says, I'll I'll maybe come out of retirement for the Browns. No, it's Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston. He comes out of retirement for Jameis Winston, but he does have Mike Evans. He's t- I, I, the first phone number he asked for when he when he got the job was Deshaun Jackson. So apparently he's going to try to keep Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, you still have Godwin there. Obviously, you're wondering what's going to happen with the run game. But, you know, we've seen him do wonders with running backs before. You know, uh, Johnson looked a lot better when Arians was there. Just saying, love or hate, Bruce Arians will find in Winston what Dirk Cutter was looking for. Love. Um, I, I look at Bruce Arians and I say he's one of the um, – more than good coaches, but he's one of the good personalities that a lot of these players want to be around. You look at how how great that Arizona team was. From They went from a, just an okay roster that nobody really feared to one of the best teams in all of the NFC uh, NFC West. Uh, they were able to kind of uh, put together a stout defense. They were able to come up with great um, ways to put guys like Larry Fitzgerald in positions to continue to be as successful as, as, successful as he was, even though he was kind of on the downside uh, of his career. So you look at what you have to work with already um, Jameis Winston could be a very good quarterback. He was the number one overall. He has all the intangibles. He has a great arm. For whatever reason, his decision-making isn't awesome. Mike Williams is easily one of the most underrated uh, receivers in the league. Whenever you bring up the best receiver in the NFL, Mike Williams' name almost never gets bought up by anybody, and he should because he's six foot five and can jump out of, the, uh, out of whatever stadium he's playing for. Going out and trying to get Deshaun Jackson, what he's doing, he's making sure he can put as many weapons around, uh, keep as many weapons around Jameis Winston as possible because you see it's, n- it's not an issue with talent with Jameis it's just an issue between the years like it's a brain thing and a guy like Bruce Arians can definitely be the the voice for Jameis that Dirk Cutter for sure wasn't um I'm gonna say hate because I think a lot of Jameis Winston's problems are not with the coaches that he's had and not with the coaching that he's received it's with the decision making that he makes on the field Mm -hmm. he oftentimes 
will just throw the ball into triple coverage, which is not what the coach told him to do, and have an interception. He's really, really inconsistent with his decision-making. However, I do think Bruce Arians will get more out of Jameis Winston than Dirk Cutter did. I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to get him to the level that Jameis Winston should be at as a quarterback because Bruce Arians was really, really good with Arizona. He reinvented Carson Palmer's career after his injury. And I'm looking here, 2014, he went 11 and five with the Arizona Cardinals. You wanna know who his quarterbacks were in 2014? Drew Stanton, Carson Palmer, and Ryan Lindley. Remember him? So he was able to make those three quarterbacks an 11 win team. He then had a 13 win year the next year with Carson Palmer healthy the whole time. He will make Jameis Winston better, but I don't think he'll save Jameis Winston from himself. So I'll hate your hated over. All right, uh, we're going to move on. We're going to stick with the theme, uh, the coaching changes in Arizona, where Cliff Kingsbury, who uh, apparently had coffee one time with Sean McVay, and so because of that, he got the McVay uh, touch or something and now um, is supposed to come in and work wonders with Josh Rosen the way McVay did with Jared Goff. Love or hate? Cliff Kingsbury will have a similar turnaround with Rosen that McVay had with Goff. Uh, hate. Uh, like the one thing you, you'd have to say about McVay, McVay is a, a very great, uh, a very good um, offensive play caller. And it's not to say that, you know, Kingsbury isn't because I think he, he has been, but there are sometimes he can make some pretty questionable calls. I think Kingsbury is in this position uh, based off name alone. You know, he, how do you go from being, named just the offensive coordinator at USC to a head coaching position in the NFL within 90 days, you know, less than less than 60 days, you know, this kind of whole thing can happen. So at, at this point, I think it's just one of those things you look at some of the, you know, the, the McVeigh's and some of the younger uh, head coaches right now in the NFL. And I think that's the trend. Mike and I kind of talked about it during the break. Whenever something happens in the NFL, everybody flocks to it because that's the new and exciting thing. This is the biggest copycat league that we have of any of, of the major sports. And so right now, you're seeing a lot of success with Sean McVay. So clearly, if you get another guy who's young and is good looking and can get through to his players, that you'll have the, a similar success. Unfortunately, if you're a McVay, you just don't have the talent that the Rams have to work with right now. So it's probably going to be a little more of a struggle for him. I'm also going to say hate, and it's less about Josh Rosen and more about Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury is a great offensive mind by all accounts, and he's considered one of the top uh, innovative offensive minds in college football. But he also sucked at Texas Tech as a head coach. He really did. Uh, he did not have a good career there. He it's, it's tough to win there, but he had Patrick Mahomes. And some people credit him with Patrick Mahomes, but they also didn't win a lot when they had Patrick Mahomes. So it's kind of this weird middle ground of what are you going to do? I also think it's really strange to hire a guy out of college football into the NFL who's never had NFL experience before. We have not seen that work very often. Uh, it's very tough to make that transition. And he's really, really young. And I don't think you're going to get that success that you got with Sean McVay. They're chasing the Sean McVay model. Silliness. But I think Sean McVay is such a unique guy. He's such a unique personality that demands respect from the veterans, but also takes younger guys under his wing that you're not going to get with Cliff Kingsbury, who, by the way, kind of seems like a nass. He really does. He seems really e egotistical. That's why getting the, the quarterback coach for Cincinnati, the Zach guy, Zach Snyder or whatever his name is, that doesn't make any sense. He's not Sean McVay. He worked with Sean McVay, but he's not Sean McVay. So that's why I'm going to say hey. All right. Yes, uh... Uh, I see where you're going there. I don't think he's uh, Sean McVay either. They, they, you're, you're right. It's just such a 
copycat cyclical league. Um, they're going to find, you know, you got uh, Lafleur in Green Bay who um, just won years in OC. Um, th- this is something that's catching on. Some what, some it will work, some it won't. What it is, it's you got these young guys that you can put in front of a camera that are, man, really good-looking dudes that man, are money. You know, they've got the quarterback face. And so you go out there and you can – put Sean McVay in front of people. You can put Cliff Kingsbury in front of the media and he's going to give you something. I think that's what people are kind of looking for right now, just this young face of your franchise. And sometimes that can just bite you in the ass. All right. Um, the, I, I got uh, – we'll, we'll go with the um, one last interesting coach hire that hasn't happened yet but is expected to be hired because this guy's in the playoffs and is yet to lose, and that is quarterback coach Zach Taylor expected Taylor. to – Taylor. I said Snyder. Sorry. Yes. Expected to be the Bengals' next head coach. Love or hate, Taylor's going to be the guy that stops this trend. Who? Zach Taylor, <laughs> the quarterback coach. Like I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I'll be real. I don't know anything about Zach Taylor, and I, I can't even pull up my computer right now to figure out where he went to college, and you know, and who he works for, or anything. Right now, the Bengals need help. That's not a quarterback coach. You know, they they need help on defense. They need help trying to figure out how to. Uh, get the red rifle or back to that instead of the red water pistol, which he is right now. This Bengals team has so too much talent to be as bad as they have been over the past little bit. They have a good running back in Joe Mixon. There's no reason they shouldn't have been able to be much better than they were. You have a, a capable-ish quarterback uh, in Andy Dalton. You should be able to do stuff. When A.J. Green comes back, you have a superstar wide receiver. What is the problem for you? So how you fix all those things, you fire Marvin Lewis, which should have happened 13 years ago, and then you move on and hire a quarterback's coach that, for, for to my estimation, I know nothing about at this point. So is that the, is that the move they needed to make? In my opinion, no. But, hell, who was Sean McVay uh, three years ago when he got hired as, as the head coach of the Rams? So, who knows? When you say stop this trend, what do you mean, Jesse? Is he the guy to stop this trend? Uh, well, I mean, we just of brought up, like, there, there's eight coaching positions in the league right now. Um, one, uh, and, and right now you got Brian Flores, who's up for the, the gig in Miami, who's a linebacker's coach. And I, I guess what it means is, is – we're seeing that trend from it used to be guys in their 50s, 60s, lots of NFL experience, kind of like more of a Vic Fangio, like what you have in Denver than you have of a guy like McVay. And because so of, you're saying Zach Taylor won't pan out and that will stop the trend of going after the young Yeah, because we're a cyclical. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say hate to that one because just a couple of years ago, I remember talking about this. I was sick and tired of the retread hires in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Every single guy was 60 years old. He had two failed jobs before, and guess what? He failed again when he got his new job because he's just not that good at being a head coach. Finally, NFL teams are waking up and trying to do something different and go get someone who is younger and more innovative on offense or, frankly, on defense. It doesn't matter which one. And to me, that's not going to stop. Now, it might not be the Sean McVay coaching tree anymore if a couple of these guys fail, but I think you're going to see more hires like the Cliff Kingsbury hire, which is, although I don't love it, outside the box and very, very different than going and getting, oh, I don't know, Steve Wilkes, like they did last year. Uh, There's a lot of guys in the NFL and in college football who are really innovative and really different and that's how you're going to find the next Sean McVay. You can't copycat that hire because he's a unique guy. But if you find someone who has a unique offense or a unique defense and interesting ideas that changes the way the NFL works and allows college players to succeed in the NFL, that's the kind of guy the team should be looking for. So I still think you will see that. All right, let me do a quick uh, tally here. Uh, let's see. 
Yeah. It felt like you went, you won this week, Rashad. I certainly hope so. Can't take any more L's. That's that's getting frustrating. I'm not. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm not used to losing. Like with the thirteen to twelve victory. Thirteen it's close too. Thirteen to twelve victory. Rashad Taylor oh gets gosh. to host the final segment. Finally, yes. Uh, yeah, sports. I don't know what we're talking about next. So we'll talk about it during the break and figure it out when we come back right here on The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It has been a long time since I've been able to hear this music, and guess what? It's glorious. I absolutely love it, man. Thank you for trying to find I guess I haven't won in so long that my music isn't even in the bed anymore. Like, oh, yeah. Like last deleted. time I, It got deleted somehow. Yeah, last time I won, we had to use your song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it. Like, what that. the hell, man? That's the whole point of winning this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm not really sure what what we can. We covered a lot today. You know, we, covered, yeah. we, we talked about some. We had some coaching. Hater to love it. We both NFC and AFC games. We didn't talk much about the Saints, though. I feel like True. of all the teams that that should have been talked about, the Saints are the one that we kind of left out. So let's let's talk about, man. I guess keys for for winning for the Saints today. You know, we know how much of a great offense they have. Hall of Fame quarterback for sure, Hall of Fame head coach, uh, a defense that's really uh, turned a corner over the past couple uh, couple seasons, uh, a running back in Alvin Kamara who's just been the definition of lights out for the past couple of seasons. Do you do you expect this, the Saints to win this game? Oh yeah, I, I think they're going to win the game big too. Uh, well, well, I take that back. I think they're going to win the game comfortably. Maybe not big because there's something about the Nick Foles energy that gives me pause with picking a huge win for the Saints. But I think they're that much better than the Eagles. I really do. And their defense is underrated as well. They play pretty solid on defense. It's a little bit worse than it was last year, actually. But uh, it's it's pretty solid defense. I could kind of see this game going like 31 to 24 ish with a late touchdown by the Eagles, making it seem closer than it was. Um, that's kind of the sad thing about this weekend in the NFL is it's a really fun weekend of great games, but there's usually those four teams clearly better than the others. Mm-hmm. And if it happens like you think, you're going to get a lot of games like we've had so far where on paper they look good, on the paper they look competitive, but it turned out to be fairly com- comfortable wins for the, the higher seed. It's going to be similar to that, I think. No, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of see the same thing. I don't see, necessarily see a shootout to where it's a, you know, a, a 30 Five to 32 game I'm not necessarily seeing that but I'm looking at two offenses that are when they're clicking they're very good you know and, and we are obviously the the Saints offense once you know Drew Brees hasn't been the Drew Brees that we I guess we've been used to seeing and mind you he still puts up monster yards but he's being he's really let the run game tell the story for for the Saints team all of a sudden which is some not something we're really used to to seeing and another touchdown by the Patriots so it looks like this game is gonna be <laughs> well, I'm not going to say pretty. As I knock on wood, you know, we've seen crazier things happen in the playoffs right now. But uh, Brady does not look 
the 40, uh, 41 years old right now. He's slinging it all around right now. It's what I was talking about, man. You give him an extra week to prepare, everything changes. Talked about this last year when, you know, he was kind of starting to look like he was falling off at the end of the season, got a week off. The next thing you know, he's he's tearing it up all the way to the Super Bowl. So. Who caught that touchdown? Uh, that was Dorsett. Philip Dorsett, who wow. is reinventing goal. his career. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I think the Saints have, and I've, we've called it before, I've, the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl last year, if, if you ask me. But um, I'm, I'm looking at a, a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl, and I think that would be, man, just awesome. And I'm just imagining how many points are going to be scored in that game if it is indeed Saints and Chiefs. Is that what you're thinking for the Super Bowl? Yes. I'm going to go Rams-Chiefs on the Super Bowl. I really – some of it is I really want to see Rams-Chiefs again because that Monday Night Football game was fun. That was good. Uh, but also, they've been the best teams all year. And I know the Saints are in that conversation as well, but I still think the Rams are better. They've been the two best teams all year. We've been talking about them all year. They had their buys. They were both really impressive yesterday in their wins. I think they're on a collision course to face each other in the, in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm, I'm still, I, I threw money on the Rams before the season started. I've still sticking with the Rams. I think they're once again, starting to, they're, they're looking more like the Rams. They were at the middle of the season, um, than they were at the end of the season. The AFC is where, man, I honestly, and to me, this is crazy because I don't think they have been particularly amazing this year but i think the patriots are going to get the best of not only the chargers today but i think the chiefs tomorrow you brought up how good andy reed is out of the bye he's not getting a bye next week belichick is probably the best game planner from week to week he definitely is the best at making uh changes at halftime um you know the only thing i think really is in the chiefs favor is that home game but they have a great home field advantage. What they didn't get yesterday, what what I think people are overstating about Patrick Mahomes and what he did yesterday was the pressure. Yeah. I don't think there was nearly as much pressure as people like to say there was on him, especially, I mean, maybe going into the game there was a lot of pressure, but you see your defense come out, play lights out that first series, hold the Colts to a three and out, basically, and you get the ball, you get the lead and you never let up, there isn't a lot of pressure there. And I think the Patriots are going to add that added pressure that you, you, you kind of – You don't mean like pass rush. You mean mental pressure. Mental right? pressure. Yeah. Yes. Everybody's talking about, oh, man, oh, he did such a great job with that mental pressure. Uh, I, I need to see in-game mental pressure before I'm going to hand that baton off to him and say, this guy is just ice cold. And for me, the Chiefs, you know, uh, uh, they're still a great team. Man, they're, they're not the same team without Kareem Hunt. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they they just they look a little different when they're running the ball. Mind you, still incredibly explosive, still in a really quick offense. But without that guy, you know, to really because you're going to need to run the ball. It's, it was you see the snow on the ground yesterday in uh, Kansas City. So it gets really cold there as well. It's not just Foxborough and New England where it gets cold. It gets really cold there. And if you can't uh, ground and pound it like right now, the Pats are doing a really good job of keeping Melvin Gordon in check. Melvin Gordon, who is a you said earlier, who is a top five running back in this league. And so far through the first half, they're doing a really good job of making sure he doesn't get a whole lot going. All right, we got to get going. Next week, it'll be championship week as we will have both games on Sunday. So we'll get to preview both the AFC and the NFC championship games next week. 9 to 11, still in the same spot for us. So that's coming up next week. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs this weekend and uh, get ready. 
for not having NFL anymore because there's only a couple of weeks left. So prepare yourself mentally because it's going to be hard. First warming uh, referee in the history of playoff football right now for this oh, Patriots yeah. uh, Chargers game. Congratulations. That's, cool. that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Congrats. All right, we'll see you next week. Have a very good rest of your Sunday, everybody. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat!